Well, welcome to the uh, Horror Movie Podcast. My name is Jack. Thanks for downloading and uh, tuning into this episode. Today we have Anthony Johnston, famed author, New York Times best-selling author, in fact, uh, and a movie producer. And he's a, man, he's a jack of all trades and a master of all trades. And he is uh, on our show this week, folks. If you haven't uh, seen uh, Atomic Blonde, go out check it out. Uh, he's the co-producer of that movie, and uh, he's not a horrible movie, right? Not a horrible movie, and that's why I went. Let's, 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 thank you, Phil, for, for <laughs> clarifying. Uh, he's written, guys. He's written for Marvel. He's written for. Uh, I mean, he's created a ton of ton of stuff. He wrote the script for two Dead Space video games. That's the original Dead Space, which is a huge game gigantic game. yeah I've, i played all three of the games and the first one is, I, in my opinion is the best which is the one that he wrote so he is a hard-working guy uh very creative very intelligent when you hear this interview obviously he's super smart uh hard worker and uh if you're a writer an aspiring writer there's a lot of great information in this uh if you are anyone that creates something um this guy this guy's a good interview on this, and uh, we just had a lot of fun with him. Make sure you tune in after the Anthony Johnston uh, interview because we got uh, Paul Huff on after that, and we talk um, for our for our preview show for our Friday episode, uh, and then we'll go into that after this though. But anyway, right now Anthony Johnston, great interview, such a f- great person, and uh, here he is, Anthony Johnston. You. All right, well, uh, folks, we have Anthony Johnston. Uh, he is the author of The Coldest City, which uh, was recently adapted into a major motion picture, Atomic Blonde, uh, which that movie is definitely not horrible, Anthony. So you're on the Horrible Movie Podcast, but that, definitely, that movie was definitely not horrible. Um, well, thank you. I'm glad to hear you say that. Absolutely. Um, you uh, have done a ton of work in graphic novel. Uh, Wasteland, you've yep. written for Daredevil, Wolverine, and a, a number of others. Your website's really cool, um, AnthonyJohnston.com, because you list all your works, and you're very um, intentional on, on there about your works, which I like. I know that sounds ridiculous, maybe, but as a professional, you're, you're doing a great <laughs> job of representing. And um, you wrote the script for the Dead Space games, Correct. Uh, for the first Dead Space game, and then Dead Space Extraction, which was the Wii rail shooter, and the mobile game, yes. Yeah, and you are a New York Times bestselling author, plus uh, you're a musician. Uh, yes, yes, I, I, uh, I, I wouldn't big up my own musical abilities too much, but I know my way around a sequencer and can just about handle a, a guitar. Can you play... So the, so the we, were, we were listening to some of your music. The drum... I play drums, but some of the... Like the um, the guitar and the sequencing was that what you did, or did you record drums yourself, or how did that? What did that look like? Oh no, none of the drums on on any of those tracks. They are all synthesized. They're all synthesized. The, the only thing live on any of those tracks is uh, my voice and guitars. That's cool. Tell, and uh, even the guitars aren't always live. Mostly, but not always. I do use synthesized guitars sometimes, sometimes as well. So uh, here's what I'm going to say: you you cross up a lot of uh, genres in entertainment. I guess that's a kind of a blanket statement. Uh, comics, movies, video games, podcasting, which we'll get into that, uh, and your musician. Does your brain ever shut off? 
<laughs> uh, no, no. Funnily enough, I had a bit of a sleepless night last night because I was, uh, you know, my mind was whirling around a whole bunch of things that I've got to do over the next few weeks. So, yeah, I, uh, I like to stay busy. Do you do you when when your mind rolls like that and let's say you're on like two or three different projects, right? Um, do you just kind of block off time for each project and then go from one project block to another? Pretty much, yeah. Two or three would be a luxury. Most of the time, it's more like four or five. <laughs> um, but yes, I I block things out where I can. And I talk about this, actually, you mentioned my website. There's a section on there called For Writers. And one of the things on there that I go into in a couple of articles is how I sort of uh, cope with daily, you know, with working on uh, many projects at once and my process and all that sort of stuff. And one of the things I try to do is devote a whole day to a particular project at a time so that for, you know, sort of from getting up to going back to sleep, I'm only thinking about one project. I find that that really helps, you know, sort of overnight, Mm -hmm. it's easy enough to sort of reset and work on something new. Uh, However, that's not always possible. And there are many times when I simply have to work on a couple of things at once. And so what I'll do then is work on one project normally uh, in the morning until lunchtime, have lunch, walk my dogs, come back, and then, again, sort of have a bit of a reset and work on another project in the afternoon. Uh, what kind of dogs do you have? I have two lurchers, which are uh, greyhound crosses. Okay, like whippets? Like, bigger than whippets, yeah, okay. more like greyhound-sized. A lurcher is, technically a lurcher is a greyhound crossed with any other non-long dog breed of dog. Oh. Uh, they're a very sort of peculiar Irish and English uh, sort of, uh, they're not really a breed, but type of dog. Uh, but we love them, yeah. They're very, uh, they're lovely dogs. Very, very handsome, very well behaved. Um, cool. Very fast. cuddly. Are they fast? Uh, they were when they were younger. Okay. They're both getting, uh, we have two and they're both getting on a bit now, bless them. Uh, but yes, when they were younger, they could, you know, within two steps, forget it. You won't catch them. That's awesome. Uh, Unjustly Maligned is your podcast. Uh, tell folks a little bit about it. It uh, looks really interesting to me. I really, I like what you're doing there. It is, Unjustly Maligned is, uh, I call it the show for people who go against the grain. It is a show about the sometimes strange things that we all love that other people don't. So, for example, um, basically I invite a guest on and they talk about something they love that most other people either don't love okay. or or aren't familiar with. That's okay. the other thing. We also deal with overlooked things. So, for example, uh, the movie Hudson Hawk. Yeah, okay. You know, yeah. uh, which most Willis, people right? will tell you is a bad movie, but, you know, we had a guest on who thinks it's a great movie, and as it happens, so do I. Or the movie Kroll. Yep. Uh, we do do a lot of movies, but we also do... We had somebody come on and talk about Napoleon, like the real historical Napoleon. And they were really um, a big Napoleon fan. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, just a few weeks ago, we had um, a scientist, Marcus Werther, on talking about Pluto and how, you know, he thinks that Pluto has been hard done by when it was downgraded from planet status. Is he? So it's yeah. the remit is really wide. We've had people talking about video games like Dragon Age 2 or TV shows or novels. And, you know, it's we, we run the gamut. I saw uh, someone brought V for Vendetta on there. Yes. Man, yes. I love that movie. The, uh, like, absolutely, the movie, the movie version, movie. yeah. Which is, uh, well, when we talked, we discussed this on the episode. It's kind of because I'm a big fan of the books. V for Vendetta is my yeah. favorite comic work of Alan Moore. Alan Moore, yeah. Um, and uh, you know, I think I think it's it's one of his 
absolutely outstanding, one of his best works. Uh, and I wasn't that keen on the movie. Okay. Uh, but but not because it wasn't faithful to the comics. I actually didn't have a problem with that because I could understand why they made a lot of the choices they did. Uh-huh. I just didn't think it was all that great a movie. Um, so yeah. that was an interesting conversation. I, I tell you the uh, I don't know if I'm going to verbalize this and say this. I get there's scenes in movies that I get pumped up, like run through a wall, pumped up. Right. <laughs> that that knife. But you have to admit, right? That knife scene at the end is it's it's. No, no, Anthony, it, you're the pro here, okay. so I will see. It's pretty, it's I will see cool, to but... your professional. I'm a novice, so we see. My uh, my, my problem with that scene is actually one of the things that d- d- dates that and a lot of the movie is the knife trails and the emphasis on using the sort of mid two thousands superhero movie yeah, aesthetic, Matrix bullet time. Right, and that sort of thing. Yeah, it's kind of, you know, I, I fear that in another 10 years' time, that movie is going to look horribly dated <laughs> in those sequences as a result, which I think is a shame. Yeah, I understand. So, Hugo Weaving, I thought, did a pretty good job. And I can't believe I'm talking about this right now. I'm sorry, Anthony. Um, okay. <laughs> no, it's okay. So, um, so y- your book, The Coldest City, all right? Yes. Movie studio comes to you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really butcher this when I say this. A movie studio comes to you and wants to adapt this into a movie. Well, let me stop you right there. Actually, yeah. that's not entirely what happened. Okay, great. Uh, what okay. happened was the book is published by Oni Press, okay. and Oni had at that time a partnership with um, uh, a sort of media arm, basically, uh, with uh, uh, some producers in Hollywood and who represented books that were published by Oni. And they had a meeting uh, actually with Charlize Theron's production company, not with the studio. And okay. it was uh, her. It was Charlize and her production people who were really attracted to the book and who initially optioned it. So we always knew once the option was made, we always knew that if this went ahead, Charlize would star in it. Uh, and as a result, she also had a lot of control, a lot of input. You know, it is basically her movie, and that's why we made it in the way we did. It's not actually. It's presented mostly as a universal picture because they bought a lot of the worldwide rights and took over the marketing and stuff, but. The actual initial option was Denver and Delilah, which is Charlize's production company. Okay, uh, you co-produced that movie, is that correct? Yes, yes, I have a co-producer credit. Uh, I was not—I can't claim to have, you know, sort of been involved day to day, which is why it's only a co-producer credit. Um, but I gave notes and feedback on, you know, the the scripts, uh, the screenplays, the uh, the rough edit, rough cut of the movie, things okay. like that. You know, the music choices. Uh, notes on casting, all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I was, you know, I had some involvement as much as they were comfortable letting me have. <laughs> and they isn't were isn't that interesting? You turn, you, like, you kind of turn over your your creation, right? And then, yeah, and then say, "Hey, run with it," right? What? Yeah, yeah. Well, but the, it wasn't that difficult for me because I also do adaptations myself. Uh, I have adapted books and screenplays and even poetry in some cases uh into graphic novels and into comic format so i understand the process from the other side so i don't get precious uh about you know changes being made during an adaptation and i think that really helped and i think that made a lot of people on you know on the filmmaking side more comfortable because i was able to say look i understand this process don't worry about it i've already written the best graphic novel I can. Now it's your job to make the best movie you can. You and go. if that means changing a few things, then that's fine. Go for it. 
It's cool. I, I read the the coldest city just this week, and um, when you heard that Charlie Theron specifically was looking at it, and you know, obviously was looking to star in it, did that match your original vision for the the female lead in in your comic? Like, did, when you heard her name mentioned, was it like, yeah, that's that's a good fit? Um, to be honest, I didn't. I never write things with any kind of adaptation in mind uh, because I find that that hinders me. That sort of restricts my imagination. So I never write with that as a kind of, you know, as a thought in my mind. So I didn't, as I was writing it, I didn't, you know, sort of mentally cast it or anything. Uh, And Sam Hart, the artist, I believe actually based Lorraine in the comic on his grandmother um, (laughs) physically, you know, sort of and facially. Um, So it wasn't... I didn't really, I don't want to say I didn't have an opinion, because of course I had an opinion, but it wasn't like I had anybody in particular in mind. The one thing I did like was that obviously Charlize, you know, most people these days know her as, uh, you know, now she's an action star and she's been in a few rom-coms and things like that. But she is also a phenomenal actor. You know, she has literally won an Academy Award for that movie Monster, you know, which she starred. And that was just on the strength of, being a fantastic actor. So I was very pleased that we had somebody who could genuinely act and bring the kind of depth beyond the surface of the character that Lorraine has. Because both in the book and the movie, it's very easy on a surface level to look at Lorraine as a character and say, well, there's nothing to her. We don't know her backstory. She doesn't emote very much. You know, she's just a sort of cardboard cutout. But if you look a little deeper in the book... There is more there. There's more going on. Uh, And Charlize was great about reflecting that in the movie. I think she handled that brilliantly. So, yeah, I was very pleased about that. Also, it helped that she's really tall. (laughs) (laughs) Which goes a long way in Hollywood, right? Yeah. Well, and also because uh, Lorraine in the book is, you know, like she's not uh, a giantess, but she is taller than the average woman in the 80s was. And that was a deliberate choice so yeah i was quite pleased about that did you you said you got to do you helped in the selection process for the soundtrack and the movie uh well i gave notes and feedback and i won't say that i helped in the selection that's kind of overstating things but i certainly you know i I was kept abreast of uh things like casting choices and yeah what songs were going on the soundtrack and yeah i gave my feedback and notes i mean I, i don't know for example if this had any influence, but the Susie and the Banshees uh-huh. track in the uh, movie Cities in Dust is like my favorite Susie That's track awesome. of all time. <laughs> That's awesome. So uh, that was nice. <laughs> well, and I, the soundtrack set the tone in that movie, uh, I thought. Uh, you're, uh, you really, uh, you, would you say you really love the espionage and spy genre? Yes, I think that's fair to say. Okay, um, so, I didn't. Yeah, the the weird thing was that I've always loved it as a as a consumer, you know, as a reader of books, as uh-huh. a watcher of movies, whatever. Um, but it wasn't until just before I wrote the Coldest City that I even contemplated writing one. It was a bit, you know, I had a bit of a blind spot, I guess. Um, but of now, ironically, now I'm, you know, I'm known as the spy guy. I mean, that's pretty, I've got this, I've got my series codenamed Babushka, which is more kind of James Bond, you know, lighthearted spy okay. stuff. Um, and I've just written a, a, recently wrote a novel, which is also a, a spy thriller. Uh, so I, I, from now on, I just know that I'm going to be known as the spy guy, but that's okay. I can live with that. Uh, I, I think it's, uh, you know, obviously spy is, is what probably a lot of people that have seen the movie or read the book immediately gravitate to. But um, I think, and James Bond, 
Bond is similar. I feel like it is more of an investigative um, detective type. You know, she's trying to dis- discover what is going on. Um, and that's actually really similar to The Fuse in, in a different way. And that's that's another one of your books that I've been reading this week and really loving. Um, it's totally different genre, sci-fi, you know, that kind of thing. But uh, is the same kind of investigative format. I, I kind of get the idea that you've grown up on a lot of uh, procedural type type shows <laughs> yeah <laughs> you you guess correctly yeah i love mysteries the thing is like almost everything that i write and i've written across a wide wide swathe of genres you know like horror fantasy sci-fi westerns even rom-coms but almost everything that i write is a mystery of some kind or another whether that's yeah a murder mystery or a spy mystery or some kind of political thriller or whatever um i'm just attracted to those sorts of stories and so yes the coldest city and the coldest winter the second book in the series are both mysteries at their core uh they just happen to be mysteries that take place within the espionage genre uh this is going to be a a junior high the junior high section of the or the middle school i'm not sure in in London, what it depends how old uh, we're talking. Let's say we're going to say this is the twelve to fourteen year old question. Growing up, who were? Oh your... no, that's high. That's high school. Okay, <laughs> okay. Who were who were your literary heroes? That was a uh, best way I could tee that question up was to say. I know that sounds juvenile as <laughs> that question, but I really want to know who who were your literary heroes growing up. I don't think that's juvenile at all. I I'm a voracious reader, and I grew up. <laughs> One of my earliest memories is of my father reading a comic to me before I could even read oh, wh- when I was a child. What was so, it? Uh, it, what was the comic? It was a, a children's uh, British children's anthology comic called The Beano. Okay. Um, uh, but yeah, so I, I grew up, you know, just reading all the time. Um, when I was young, my when I was preteen. I read a lot of comics, obviously, but my favorite authors were a guy called Paul Brickhill, who wrote these amazing World War II, oh, cool. sort of based on true events, mm-hmm. but fictionalized and told in an you know, exciting, adventurous manner books. Um, uh, Douglas Hill, who wrote the Last Warlord series, Mike Moorcock, uh, you know, all the Elric books, stuff like that, and Tolkien, of course. Oh, yeah. Um, how could you not? And then uh, as, a, as an older... Oh, and I also loved the Famous Five Enid Blyton's Famous Five books, which I'm not sure if they were very well known in the yeah. States, but they're kind of, uh, you know, sort of English children's mystery things. And, uh, oh, actually, The Three Investigators, if anybody's old enough to remember those books. <laughs> the Alfred Hitchcock Presents Absolutely. Three Investigators series. I loved those. I think that's those sorts of books are where my love of mysteries was really instilled, I think. And then as I grew up, I got more into... Yeah, sort of more mature sci-fi. Still reading Moorcock, but I also got into Harry Harrison, mm. uh, his Stennis Steel Rat series. I loved that. Uh, and then, of course, I discovered cyberpunk as a sort of like slightly older teenager. Cool. And I immediately became, you know, a William Gibson hardcore fan. I discovered Jeff Noon when I was a little older, uh, who's a British, uh, not quite cyberpunk author, but sort of the closest equivalent. Imagine cyberpunk with drugs and sex. Um, <laughs> what I mean is drugs instead right. of technology. Yeah. Uh, it's it's kind of difficult to describe, but excellent stuff. And yeah, and Bruce Sterling and a whole bunch of those uh, those guys from the cyberpunk era. I really got into that, you know, quite heavily. So yeah, just kind of all over the board, really. Um, so would you say those those writers had the biggest impact on how you write? Um, I would say so. I think, uh, I think that probably the t- 
two biggest direct influences in terms of my writing style are Gibson and Noon. And ironically, I think if you read my stuff, and including my prose works, you probably wouldn't see that. I don't think anybody would necessarily read any of my stuff and immediately go, aha, this man's a William Gibson fan. But there's something (laughs) about those two guys and the way they write. Not necessarily, yeah, the sort of the phrasing and the words they use, but something about the way they tell stories and the way they write that... I always have in my mind when I'm writing in any medium because I think they're just such phenomenal storytellers. Um, tell us a little bit about uh, – I was talking to Jared, our director, about uh, podcastguestguide.com. I was very interested uh, yes. in this, and I know that for people that are into podcasts and then for guests on podcasts, it's a very smart thing that you've done. Tell us a little bit about it. Well, that was when I started my podcast on Justly Maligned. I knew that quite a few of the people I would be inviting on to the show were not seasoned podcasters uh, because, you know, most of the people that I invited on were basically just my friends, people I knew, writers I knew or, you know, whatever. Uh, And I knew that most of them would never have been on a podcast before or certainly wouldn't have recorded themselves before. Mm. And I, you know, it's sort of wanting to make a high quality uh, show, I always want guests, if they can, to record their own end and what's called a double ender, where we then take the two pieces of audio and splice them together. Um, And if you're not into podcasting, that Mm -hmm. can sound really intimidating. It's not, but it sounds intimidating. And so I created a guide that I hosted kind of in private um, initially four guests of the show and I sent them to that URL and it gave them a walkthrough of how to record themselves. I recorded little YouTube videos showing them how to use QuickTime on a Mac or Audacity on a PC, that sort of thing. And it it worked. It was great. But also I mentioned it because Unjustly Maligned is on the Incomparable Network and I mentioned it uh, to the other Incomparable hosts and said, I've made this. If you want to send your guests there, by the way, you know, if you have guests on who Uh also aren't that familiar with it, by all means, send them to this page. And I got such great feedback from it. Uh, And so many of them saying, you know, it would be really useful if we could just send like any of everybody to this uh, page. So I eventually just said, okay, I'll uh, make it more generic. I'll de-specify it from Unjustly Maligned specifically and make it a more generic guide for anybody who is guesting on a show. And and made it public. And so I bought, you know, its own URL. And yeah, it's just... And this happens, we get a lot of this in comics. Uh, Before I became a podcaster myself, I was often invited onto maybe two or three podcasts a year. Mm -hmm. And I was just, you know, talking to people through my laptop microphone, which of course sounded... And I'd listen back and I sounded horrible. (laughs) Um, And, uh, you know, because that's all I knew how to do. And so... I thought if I can help my fellow creators and maybe other people, but right. certainly if I can just help my fellow creators mm-hmm. who might also be invited on a show two or three times a year, help them sound better. Uh, I just think it makes for an overall better impression and a better show for everybody to listen to. So I was happy to kind of share that with the world and encourage people to, you know, be a bit more proactive about making themselves sound good on shows. If you had a cu- this is going to be maybe another, uh, junior high middle school question if you had a couple like let's say two let's not limit it to one do you have a couple huge like even just to yourself huge accomplishments if you're going to say your greatest couple accomplishments or like goal scoring huge huge things what what would what would you characterize those as as 
Oh, that's really tricky. I know. I mean, that's a tough you one. Know, Sorry. If, we talk, if we talk work, then I think they have to be the coldest city and Wasteland. Cool. Uh, because Wasteland is a 60-issue long-form series that took eight years to make and, you know, at times was very, very difficult mm-hmm. to keep going. Um, and the number of creators who've done a series of that length from start to finish, without a break, without renumbering, without rebooting, uh, and telling one single long-form story. That's quite a small club. Uh, And so, you know, I feel very proud to have done that. Uh, And then The Coldest City, of course, because it's just been my biggest commercial success uh, and has now led to, you know, all manner of further opportunities and stuff that, uh, as a result of the movie adaptation, that simply wouldn't have been there otherwise. Outside of work, um, I think... Um, that's really difficult to say. Just I, I hope being a decent person, yeah. uh, owning, owning a couple of lovely dogs, yeah. uh, never, never murdered anyone. You know, they're lur- they're lurches, <laughs> right? Yes, lurcher. Or yes, lurches? two lurchers. Lurchers. L u r c h e r. It's uh, it's a very specific Irish and English it. type of dog. Yeah, they're <laughs> greyhound awesome. crosses. Um, do you do you ever take a day off? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually about to. It was my birthday yesterday, as we recall. Oh, happy birthday. Um, <laughs> I didn't take a day off yesterday. <laughs> I didn't take a day off on my birthday, but I am about to take a day off and go and visit uh, family cool. uh, for a, a couple of days. Um, Anthony, on this show, uh, I always ask guests, what have you been into lately? This could be a TV show, a movie, a book, you know, you, you know what I'm saying. What have you been into lately? Wow. Uh, okay, so the last and uh, none sir. of none of this is going to be new to people. The last TV show that I really, really got sort of wrapped up in uh-huh. and thoroughly enjoyed was Stranger Things. Oh, which I know is absolutely. old news to everyone. No, but I, hey, we could talk it all day, man. Absolutely, it's loved awesome. That. Um, so well, the done. last last book that I read that I really enjoyed was called The Last Detective by uh, Ben Winters. And again, I'm kind of late to that party. It's a few years old now. Mm-hmm. I think there's already two more in the same series. Yeah. But that's uh, that's a book about a, a giant meteor is hurtling towards Earth and he's basically going to kill everyone. And <laughs> this is an absolute certainty. And yet there's this one guy who is still trying to solve a murder, even though he knows that in six months' time <laughs> the entire matter. world will be obliterated. And it's an examination. I mean, it's a mystery. And it's a good mystery, but it's also an examination of what kind of person continues being a policeman in the face of worldwide <laughs> annihilation. It's a really great book. Um, tell us, Anthony, tell folks where they can um, follow you at or, and kind of connect with you a little bit. Tell them about your website. Sure. Um, basically, all you have to do with me is spell my name correctly. And if you do that, you will find me uh, because it's a slightly unusual spelling. So it's... A-N-T-O-N-Y-J-O-H-N-S-T-O-N. Anthony Johnston, A-N-T-O-N-Y-J-O-H-N-S-T-O-N. So my website is anthonyjohnston.com. On Twitter, I'm at Anthony Johnston. On Facebook.com slash Anthony Johnston. Instagram slash and so on and so on and so on. Um, This one of the benefits of having... One of the few benefits of having a very, an unusually spelt name is that I can get pretty much any URL or account that I want on uh, social media. The downside is that nobody ever spells it correctly. But but it's about the the use of the letter T in your name. It's about well, it's the a, use of the letter it is, T. It's and, about and the it, lack of an H. Well, but I think that I think that your your name gives some not force like you're a crazy person, but force to like. 
you know, that T, that, that really, you know, it sets it up well. It's got force. It's got, an, not an, maybe not an, I almost said an edge, but it maybe has an edge. Not like you two, like the edge, but. Anyway. No, no. Please uh, no. No, oh, sorry. Um, uh, have you seen any horrible movies in, in the last, I don't know, several years of your life? That you could talk about uh, anything off yes. the top of your head without without maligning yourself to anyone that might you know employ you down the road. I'm not saying <laughs> do that. But. Uh, well, the thing is, I've had to watch some bad movies as a result of doing the podcast. That's true. Um, the first one of those was a very early show. Uh, Monty Ashley came on to talk about the Popeye movie. Oh, it's pretty bad. Rob, Robin Which, Williams. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I had not seen since I saw it in the theater when I was. A child yeah. uh and and i hadn't seen it since and my goodness that is oh what a bad bad movie yeah. i mean the story behind the production of it is fascinating so and monty's all in on that so it was a, a very good episode of the show but what a terrible movie um and then more recently i had to watch eyes wide shut which i <laughs> yeah. i'm a i love kubrick but my goodness that's a bad movie yeah that's uh tom cruise and nicole kidman is that right that's the one yeah. yeah yeah it's yeah not good um but the only movie i've ever walked out of uh and i hope this won't limit my career prospects but <laughs> the only movie i've ever walked out of in my life was innocent blood okay um which was uh john landis i think okay uh hang on i'm gonna look that up Yo, go ahead yeah yeah uh, you're the man you can do whatever yeah. you want yeah, yeah, directed by John Landis, uh, written by Michael Walk. And that was so bad that uh, i it's the only movie I've ever walked out of. Uh, I walked out about 20 minutes from the end because I was like, nothing can happen in the next 20 minutes that will redeem this There's film. There's no coming back from this. Yeah. I love it. Um, well, Sorry, Mr. Landis. Yeah, well, yeah, hey, yeah, exactly. No big deal. Everyone has a miss every once in a while, and Anthony would love, you know, to work for you, Mr. Landis. So, um, <laughs> so um, Anthony, you are, uh, your ability to, man, work hard. Would you say you're a hard worker? Because it seems as though you are working hard, brother. I I don't know. I sometimes think I'm a bit lazy, but, just, but you know. But then other people, yeah, sort of look say not. So <laughs> I don't know. Um, I just I like to work. You know, it's it, I'm very very fortunate in that what I do for a living is what I love, and doing it for a living has never made me fall out of love with it. You know, I have ups and downs and good days and bad days like everybody else, but overall, I love what I do. And I am so fortunate that I get to make a living from doing that. Um, and I'm from a, I'm a very from a very blue collar family, very working class background. You know, I am very aware of the fact that I lead quite a privileged life compared to many of my many of the people I grew up gotcha. with. You know, many of my sort of contemporaries at school. And so I never take it for granted. So yeah, my work is my life. I mean, yeah, you know, I walk my dogs, I go and have dinner, uh, you know, and sort of socialize and stuff. And it's not like I'm locked in here 24 seven, right. but, but I like to work. I genuinely like to do it. So yeah, I like to stay busy. Um, la- last thing, do you have any advice for a, 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 maybe a writer that's starting out or someone who is motivated to write, uh, but needs, you know, maybe a kick in the pants to get going. It, will you have any advice? <laughs> Uh, well, okay, so two things. First of all, like I said, there is a section on my website 
which is full of advice and help for writers, and that's uh, at anderssonjohnson.com slash for writers. Just go there, or just go to the homepage and you'll see it listed. Awesome. Uh, and there's lots of lots of stuff there, articles and videos and talks I've given, that sort of thing. Um, but if there's one takeaway, it is that uh, most writers, most young writers despair comes from getting halfway through a project and then not being able to see the end. And then they abandon it because they're like, I cannot see how this is ever going to work out. I'll just try something else. And that's and I did that myself. I think we all do it when we're starting out. And that's a bad mistake to make because it's not until... What you'll do, if you keep doing that, you'll never finish anything. You just keep restarting and starting new projects. It's not until you finish a first draft of something, okay. no matter how terrible that first draft is, until you finish it, you can't assess it because... In your mind, you're always thinking, well, I can rescue it in the like the last 30 pages or whatever, and it'll all be perfect again. But you never get around to doing that. Whereas when you've completed something, you can look at it, assess it as a whole and say, ah, OK, this doesn't work. Why doesn't it work? And then you can look at it and figure out what you need to change and revise. There's the old adage that writing is rewriting. And this is part of it, that when you have a whole thing, then you can look at it and say, OK, now I know what's wrong with this, and then you can go in and fix it. But until it's finished, you can't do that. And so, as a result, the most important thing, more than anything else, is finish that draft. And yes, it may be terrible. That's okay, because you can always revise it. You know, it's not like you write it, and then you're never allowed to touch it again. So just get it finished, and then you can revise it and make it better. And it's not an easy process. It's sometimes a painful process, <laughs> yeah. especially when something can't be rescued. But that's how you get better. That's how you build experience and become better at writing stories. There it is. Anthony Johnson's his words of advice, finish. Always finish. Finish strong. Yep. And Anthony, we're so glad you came on and we're willing to come on and talk to us. Um, if you ever see a horrible movie, uh, feel free to... <laughs> uh, come back on and we'll we'll talk about well hey we'll talk about Popeye or we'll talk about whatever you want to talk about literally um, I may do that all thank right. you this has been lovely thank you so much and uh, man you're you're awesome you're awesome oh bless you okay thanks Anthony alright bye 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 okay so check this out Paul I had this thought today you are given a million dollars Oh, that's going to happen because I'm getting ready to win the Powerball. Okay, so Good you're night. giving a million dollars, but you have to spend it and open up your own Christian coffee house. Oh. Okay, now, <laughs> here's the deal. And you have to, you have, it's like Brewster's Millions, only it's, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You have to open it. Now, number one, what are some names for this Christian coffee house? The Rolling Stone. Oh, I like it. I was going to say Uncommon Ground. <laughs> that's a good one okay and i see what you did with the whole ground Bottom. thing yeah you're up next yeah. uh walking on coffee oh i like that too <laughs> totally doing walking, walking on, coffee. on java walking on java <laughs> um uh, uh higher ground is another use for the word ground i don't i've actually seen uh, one called higher ground this higher is, grounds, this is what i, I don't know <laughs> why this is fair because you literally have got to think about this all day you could have shot me a text at any point today and be like hey think of coffee houses for church but you're just like hey I'm gonna throw this out you Uh, Uh, continue let's see there's one in Springfield that we could easily say 
Heroes? <laughs> no. Hard Rock. No. Uh, I am going to call mine Judas's Juice. <laughs> Judas's Java? <laughs> Judas's Java. Okay, I got one. Yeah. Cup of Joseph. <laughs> Joseph and the Technicolor uh, Dream Mug. Java. <laughs> I can write the Java. Joseph and the Java. Java. Hebrews coffee. He, Hebrews. Oh, Hebrews. Hebrews coffee. Got it. Got yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Anyway, As in Hebrews the coffee, um, but also Hebrews. But Get it, uh, I thought about that Get today it? and thought I'd throw that at you. Well, you I'm glad that one you more. threw that at me. You one got more. One more. I'm really wanting to think of a good one. Um, Daniel in the coffee bin. Oh, okay. I <laughs> uh, have this one. Daniel's coffee drip. You know, coffee drips. Okay. That one felt do you flat. do you realize what none of us laughed? I know. I didn't even smile. On this what show. was that? <laughs> um, Daniel Daniel's the... daily drip. No, that wouldn't be good either. Jack's okay. like, I've got one. Jesus wept coffee. Oh, <laughs> actually, I kind of like that. You probably would. Jesus wept Javalia. All right. So, Judge Dread Week here on the show. Um, Stallone is in it. I knew you were going to say that. Um, he's been on this podcast a few times, uh, namely for Paradise Alley and the his brother on Paradise Alley is this guy, his brother on this movie. Oh, is it? Yeah. Diego Pantaleone? Uh, Armand Arasante. I was really close. Anyway, um, he he does a lot of that kind of stuff, and he's horrible in this movie. Anyway, um, do we have a cl- we have a trailer? Yeah. Okay. You're going that already? Uh, huh? Well, I said we we're gonna you know do this, man. Hit we- the ground running, oh, running, oh, oh, running. Oh, wait, there's another one. Uh, what would it be? Our Christian coffee house. Hit the ground, ground run. Yeah, hit the ground running. What? That would be bad. That, that was running in a coffee, <laughs> coffee shop name would be bad. That what are you doing? Hit the ground. The ground. I'm using ground again. Okay. Ground. Judge Dread. Higher ground. Horrible movie podcast. Here's the trailer for the Judge to the Dread. It's right. It's Judge Dread. When there is crime in society, there is no justice. James Earl Jones. Mega City One. We continue to grow. Seventy-three citizen riots. No comment. <laughs> oh yeah. I've never seen so many people miss somebody twelve feet away uh, with really, an automatic there's some assault rifle. Bad shots. You were my finest student. A lot of sound on this. What's the charge? Murder. The evidence has been falsified. Guilty as charged. I am the law. I am the law. You want chaos? They gave away the whole movie in this. Like, this is literally the whole movie. The chaos. Fred? Oh, yeah, Rob Schneider, by the way. Really? Very crushing, Paul. Excuse me? We're not together. Paul Angel. It's not for this console to play God. Who says politics is boring? Boring. Sylvester Stallone. 
Amanda Sante. That's right, Diane Lane. Starring Rob Schneider. Rob Schneider. Max von Sydow. In a cast of thousand robots. Oh my gosh. That was actually pretty good, Rob Schneider. Judge Dredd. Fancy that. Judge Dredd being a judge. He's a judge. Court is Court's adjourned. <laughs> I knew you were gonna say that. Um I wanted to tell you about a very special week that is this week. Um we it's been a while since I talked about this sponsor. Uh it's a sponsor we all know and love. It's a restaurant, in fact. And it's a restaurant based on salads. But not just any salads. Lettuce salads. Let us serve you. That's right, folks. It's back. Let us serve you. This week, only at Let Us Serve You, you get to pick from one of three awesome toppings. Paul, do you know about Let Us Serve You? I, I feel like I've heard of it. Before. Well, in the greater St. I'm only doing this for our St. Louis audience, but in St. Louis, there's a phenomenal restaurant chain called Let Us Serve You. You step up to the uh, subway-like conveyor belt area. Okay. You walk up, you say, I would like lettuce <laughs> on my salad. Anyway, I feel like that may be something you've done before. I've done that before. You say, I would like lettuce, please. Okay. And they say, Fine. Great, let us serve you. What else would you like on this salad? You get to pick from the following toppings. Um, and and this is this is an artisan salad with artisan iceberg lettuce. It's carved up just like you like it. You get to choose from the following toppings. Diced up radishes, minced up carrots, and this week only, the treat de jour that is red onion that's right on your salad doesn't that sound tasty that's right folks let us serve you go to their website Wait. let us serve you.gov what are my dressing options <laughs> oh 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 you wanted to know oh we is that have, not part of the top okay. it's you get to choose from three possible okay. dressings ketchup okay mustard yes and balsamic vinaigrette no oh. and this week uh that would ruin the salad this week the special topping is Nutella. What is wrong with this place? <laughs> Let us serve you is a national, well, it's a regional, okay, it's a treasure, six locations in the greater St. Louis area. Uh, the one in Fenton closed last week. Oh, really? Due to salmonella. That's not the wow. fault of them. Uh, the lettuce delivery was bad. You know, I did hear about this place. Did you hear about the location that was also a coffee shop, Christian coffee shop, called Lettuce Serve You on the Ground? <laughs> <laughs> and actually, all the tables are on the ground, like oh, you sit on the floor. But that may be where the salmonella <laughs> That could have been. That's right, folks. It's, it's Lettuce it Serve You. Go to our website at lettuceserveyou.gov. Oh, it's a government. <laughs> it's a government-sponsored Restaurant. Well, we don't know that. They. We, oh, we, just, we, we just, don't want to say okay. that. Wink, wink. We don't want to talk about that. Um, but let us is part of our lives. Let us serve you. That's right. Do you like radishes? No. Do you like minced up carrots? Mm, I mean, they're all right. Who loves red <laughs> onions on everything? I mean, if you put them on a cheeseburger, sure. 
Well, this is not on a cheeseburger. It's on then no. iceberg lettuce. The answer is no, Jack. Okay. Fine. And this week only, we, we've dropped the price on our premium salad to nine ninety five. Can you believe that? Listen, I'd rather go to a defunct Taco Bell and sound like a horn section for a week than eat it. Let us serve you. Oh, <laughs> uh, just so we're aware. Uh, listen, CEO of Let Us Serve You. I'm sorry that Paul. I I didn't really prep Paul for this. Uh, he's he's not really with us yet. Once you jump on board, you'll you're gonna think you're gonna be saying Let Us Serve You a lot. The so. CEO's name Johnny Salad. Uh, no, it's his, French. His name is uh, El Burgo for Iceberg. <laughs> oh, All right, the okay. Berg. His friends call him the Berg. Um, okay, so when next time I see you, it will be Friday, and we will be talking about Judge Dredd. Stallone. Dredd. Which Stallone in the poster, Stallone's name is almost as big as Judge Dredd. That's kind of sad. That's when Stallone was still a major draw. Is this like right in the... When is this? 95. This is this 95, so which which hot, Rocky hot are we 95. around? We're around a Rocky, uh, right? Yeah, no. And Rambo? No. Rambo? This is what, after... What, what this is, is even this? after... This is after this all This is even rock, after Rocky Five. This is in that weird... But way before Rocky 6.5, Back to the Ring? Yes. Okay. It was. Where they had the digital fight. Yeah. All right. So anything else? No. Okay. Thank you. Phil? My my mug runneth over. Oh. Phil yeah. with the Christian guy. He He's just been mic. thinking about that for like the last 10 minutes. <laughs> I like job, I, I've been ignoring everything you guys Producer have been talking Phil, about. Producer Phil, here to produce. Um, I do like that. I, I think that maybe the holy ground. Holy grounds. Holy ground. Holy, holy ground. Holy moly. That's delicious. <laughs> <laughs> that should be the name. Okay, how about this restaurant? Holy moly, and we only okay, serve got, guacamole. No, no. Stop, stop, stop. I've got, a ba- I've got the best one so far. Risen from the bed. Ooh. Coffee shop. Risen <laughs> from the bed. Boom. Caffeination. <laughs> right. Fantastic. I like it. I like it. That's good work right there. Mm. That's a good day's work. Pay us. Somebody pay me. Somebody pay. Somebody pay I, us I still haven't work. been paid. Somebody pay me. We work so hard. It's in the mail. It's in it's in the mail. Wrong address. Address to send. Re- Sorry. I would say something, but I'm not going to say Yeah, don't say it. <laughs> it's on its way to Bartle Hall in Kansas City, which is the last time we saw you. Oh, that is true. It was a fun time. Oh, yeah. Real fun. We had a great time. We, I didn't I even yell at Phil this year. Yeah, you yelled at me instead. <laughs> but it was fun yelling. You made me hit a pothole. Oh, you did Who's driving? Pothole. Well, you made me hit it. I was. I grabbed the steering wheel and was like, Jack, you're going to hit a pothole. Enjoy this. Well, that's your fault, not mine. Did I do that? All right. See you, Paul. See you, Phil. See you, Paul. Phil. See you, Phil. See you, Jack. Bye, y'all. The Horrible Movie Podcast is powered by RevolverPodcast.com and Orange Tie Web Design Marketing and Branding. The Horrible Movie Podcast can be heard on great stations like 105.5 KFGM in Missoula, Montana, from Missouri to Missoula, 88.1 KZGM, South Central Missouri's public radio station, and weekly contributions on KPOV 88.9 High Desert Community Radio. Listen to us on iTunes, thehorrormoviepodcast.com, revolverpodcast.com, and anywhere podcasts are found.